We're going back to the New Testament. Uh, We're looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I realised this morning that the slides were wrong, so my apologies for that. So we're reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 5 to 10. I don't have a pew Bible, so I can't give you the number. But 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 5 to 10. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself, except for my weaknesses. Even if I should boast, I would not be a fool, because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. To keep me from being conceited, because of these surpassingly great revelations, There was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Here ends the reading. touch and go there for a moment we were almost going to have another sermon here now for the fifth week in a run on about boasting but um, we decided there was other things in this to be looked at so we're going to look at suffering for Christ and suffering for the gospel but let us do let us pray for godly guidance that we may truly understand what this means for you and I Our loving Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for Paul's uh, faithful writing down of what you have given him. And we pray, Lord, that as we are guided through this by your Holy Spirit, we will come to understand how this will also affect us in the way we live our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So when we read today's text, we get a clear reference to the previous verses regarding uh, the man in Christ, uh, where it says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know this man, whether in body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up into paradise. He heard an inexpressible things, things that man is not permitted to tell. Paul is actually speaking of himself in this passage, even though uh, he was there, he is not sure exactly what his condition was at the time. And this is highly likely also, such an event has been very much part of the formation of Paul's humility in serving the Lord. He's only too aware that none of this 
None of what his experiences are and what he knows would have happened without God. That he doesn't name himself as this man is also very much part of expressing that the Corinthian church, uh, that he is privy to all this information from God, and it could only be coming from Christ. Again, it forms part of his defense of his God-given authority um, as an apostle. And see, none of the false teachers could ever lay a claim to this sort of thing, not to that insight, not to that knowledge. We also have this happen in another faithful servant of God, namely a man called Daniel. Uh, He was also given special insights from Christ, even if he also did not fully understand all of it. In chapter 12, 8, we can read, I heard but did not understand, so I asked my Lord, this is Daniel, what will the outcome of all this be? He replied, go your way, Daniel, because the words are closed up and sealed until the time of the end. Daniel had just, as what Paul did, suffered greatly for the Lord in all sorts of different ways, and they benefited greatly as they never failed to serve Jesus all the days of their lives. I do wonder sometimes of the things that have happened in my own life. How incredibly fortunate or blessed I have been and also unable to explain just how all this came about. Do you ever have yourself, do you ever have this feeling, how did we actually, how did I get to this point in my life? How, how did I arrive here? with the blessings and the understanding of Jesus. How did all that come to be? Paul, no doubt, would have had that and simply gave him much clearer focus on the way he could and indeed should serve the Lord. All of that that he knew served to strengthen his desire to serve the Lord. So Paul continues here in verse 5. I will boast about that man But I will not boast about myself except about my weakness. See, he's absolutely here. He's not boasting about himself at all. Everything he says and does declares just the greatness of God and what he's done in his life. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. See, even in his boasting about what Christ has done in his life, He's not boasting about him. He's actually boasting about what God, through Christ, has done in his life. As we also know what Paul was like before Damascus, chasing down Christians and having them killed. Clearly, we're also referring to the fact that in everything, he will always give the glory to God for all that's been made possible in him by God. But I refrain, he writes, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. He wants everyone he's in contact with, particularly here in the Corinthian church, to think more of the Lord Jesus, to get to know the Lord Jesus through his witness, through Paul's witness and words and life. Not just what he says, but what he lives like. These are the truths held and told about in 1 Corinthians 2.1. He said, when I came to you, I did not come to you with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. 
We know that the, the, the false teachers in Corinth at this point in time thought Paul was such an unimpressive person. So he certainly didn't have the eloquence of speech, but he certainly had the knowledge and the truth. And when we then go on to the ongoing suffering that Paul endures through his ministry all the way through, in verse 7, to keep me from becoming conceited because these surpassingly great revelations there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. One couple early in history lived actually a life without any pain at all, without sickness, without suffering. And then they became conceited, conceited to the max. They decided in their weakness of mind that Satan's sales pitch was a really good one and a good reason for them to want to be like God. And they and every human since have paid a price for that conceitedness. Paul is not especially comfortable with this thorn in his side, as we can read, but certainly he is trusting the Lord to want the best for him when God tells him, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. The Apostle John also alludes to this weakness in John 3, 6 and 8. He wrote, For the just at the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to live or to die. But God proves his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, so also death was passed on to all men because all sinned. For all this work to make a difference in your life and mine, we necessarily will have to arrive at the same understanding that Paul has arrived at about his own person before Christ. We need to come to understand as we stand before the cross who we are in real terms. He calls himself the worst of sinners and here he also knows of his suffering is for the glory of God and therefore then all of this comes together for him is the plan of salvation. He will be taken home to be with God and he too, Paul, will be glorified and so will every Christian that comes there. This, however, may be some time off, quite a while off. For Paul, it's already now two millennia. A severely delayed gratification, if you like, not something humans really are that into, we don't like the instant gratification, don't we? Or maybe not, but that is the truth of it. John's calls for this time to speed up at the end of Revelation even. When he writes, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I'm coming soon. Amen. And then he finishes with, come, Lord Jesus. He also can't wait to see the Lord again. He urges Jesus to return to bring us home. And if we fully understand the ramification that comes from his return, we too would be calling out each day. We would indeed start our day with, Come, Lord Jesus. 
But let's go back to Paul and the Corinthian church. Therefore, well, therefore, because of all what has, we have been given by God, my Father, the Holy Spirit to teach and guide us, the deep insights into the truth of the gospel, knowing Jesus as a personal Savior and being able to walk in his strength. Because of all that, when I no longer can, knowing he alone took my sins with him to the cross. We need to really grasp hold of that. And I'm convinced, he writes in Romans, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor principalities, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul really had this firmly in his heart and mind. It is because all of these things, that refers to the therefore, freely given to him or us by Christ, it is because of that, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's what we should be saying. I will boast more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me as well. And I hope you have that in your heart. Yes, Paul is so completely and utterly convinced and he knows in the deepest recesses of his heart all of this to be the truth and nothing but the truth. At the time I became a follower of the Lord Jesus, I was already 45 years old. And I had lived my life in a true worldly fashion. The world had fully accepted me as one of theirs. So by the time I stood before the candidates, candidate review panel to become a minister, to be scrutinized for my suitability to even be a minister in the first place, I was asked a question, what is your greatest strength and what is your greatest weakness? It's kind of a fairly standard question in any job interview to go to, I guess, guess these days. But it takes on a very, very different meaning when you are sitting there and you've got to answer that question to be scrutinized, to be a minister, to be a minister of God's word. And all by the grace of God, I had at this time had plenty of time to struggle with my own weakness and less time reflecting maybe on what I thought I had as strengths. I knew that my strength was my doggedness and focus. Some would call it absolutely stubbornness. My willingness to stand up for what I believed. If I believed something, I would hold to it. And in my weakness, well, well I had many, too many. But in this scenario... It was my bluntness and directness with the truth. The fact that was my greatest strength as well. But it was also my greatest weakness. If I were to be blunt to eliminate my weakness, I would also diminish whatever strength I had left. It was difficult. What I needed was to find a way to let my weakness shine above my strength and give the Lord plenty of room to guide me in a ways I should then handle his truth but handle it in a loving way that I share the truth as the truth is but with love and care. Which brings us to Jesus Christ and the times he would handle the truth also. 
He would handle the truth that he was teaching his disciples and the people around him. He would do that with great compassion, love and care. But other times he would be as blunt as could possibly be. And so it was with Paul. He had the compassion of Christ in him and he loved his brothers and sisters with the love of Christ. But, but he also had times and letters where he was as blunt as could be. He would write letters that would sting the reader. What he did have was a wisdom, God-given wisdom, to know when to do one thing and when not to do it. For the most, he was a compassionate and humble in the ways he deals with people and all their troubles and their sins because he knew himself to be a sinner. Therefore, he also needed to be compassionate with those sinners. This is one of those times... I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power will rest on me. He will let the people see his weakness and through his humility then possibly see Christ. As we need to understand, the world will see Christ in the lives of his people. The way you live is how they will see Christ because they know you have proclaimed to be his follower. In verse 10, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardship, persecution, difficulties, for when I'm weak, I am strong. Let me focus on two really important issues that are brought to us by Paul in this text. That of accepting adversities in our lives, having what Paul calls a thorn in his flesh. See, we have no way of knowing for sure what this thorn in his flesh may have been. It could have been a physical or medical issue, but it could also certainly have been a spiritual issue for him. We should not eliminate the possibility that Paul had asked the Lord three times, or even more maybe, to remove these attacks on him and on the church. Remove these false teachers to mangle the word and, and, and disturb the people. Whatever it may have been, we must as Christians keep in mind that sometimes really bad things happen to really faithful people. Some classic examples we have in the Bible are Job and Joseph enduring some unbelievably horrific times. But whatever the world had meant it for to be bad, God had his way and turned it to the good for his own glory. I'm sure some of us in this room have had such times, even if not quite this, it may be Job. And we're also asking the Lord to take this from us, take this suffering, take this thorn, but he wants us to rely on him, and it is then that we find that in our weakness, we too are strong. The second one is the acceptance and even joy of knowing our weakness, understanding what it actually is. But setting that aside, mine well may have been my stubbornness, my bluntness, or as I call it, my forthrightness. It's a much nicer word, isn't it? (coughs) Calling things simply as I see them and understand them. I should add, though, that I see things very differently today from what I did 25 years ago. But that weakness, if that is what it is, is now also my strength possibly, or becoming. 
I will not back down from holding firmly to the truth given to me by God. I will not back off. That God is the creator together with the Son and the Spirit. That he is the only God. That there is no other. Over the centuries, disciples of Jesus have sacrificed their lives to uphold that truth. The truth that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for mine and your sins, and that he was resurrected on the third day, and he will come back one day soon, and he will then bring us home forever to live with him in heaven. How does all that and that truth, how does that sit with you? Do you rejoice in your weakness? Do you understand what your weakness is? Are you willing to endure for his truth and rest in his strength rather than in your own? Is that the life people see when they walk and watch you in your daily walk? See, when we think of all these things, these are actually serious questions for serious followers of the Lord Jesus. So if that is you, then you actually, then you have an obligation to answer the question. Think deep and hard and seek his wisdom and take your answer to the Father in prayer and give him your life yet again and promise him that your life will show the life of Christ as far as you can in his strength. May he indeed also bless you with absolute clarity and then joy as you live your life out for him. Let us pray. Our loving and gracious Father, we do come before you to thank you for all that you have done and are doing and will be doing in our lives. We come to you, Lord, to thank you for the blessing it is that we have your Holy Spirit to guide us, to tell us when we are wrong, to tell us when we do wrong things, when we leave things undone, but also, Lord, that he will continue to persevere with us, teaching us to live a better life tomorrow than we did yesterday. We pray, Lord, that this passage will indeed sink into our hearts and minds and that it will change how we do things. May you bless us abundantly and continue to be our God and lead us in your way. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.